Part Thirteen of Just Me by Pearl White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. We were slowly but surely going downward to perhaps drape our canvas on one of these. Well, well, my companion ejaculated. I've had my lunch and have no business downtown, so I guess we'd better be getting up. So saying, he opened up some sandbags that he had put in the balloon for ballast and began throwing the sand overboard in handfuls. For each pound of weight you take from a balloon, it rises higher, and for each pound of gas that escapes from the bag, the balloon falls lower. The balloon was falling, so overboard started our ballast. About the third handful had been discharged when there was a terrific crash and a huge flash of light. What's the matter? I screamed with such a start that I almost went overboard myself. I thought surely we had dropped a bomb to the earth below. My companion was still cool and collected. I was cold, nearly freezing, in fact, but collected I certainly was not. We're running into a storm, he said. Keep your head on your shoulders, and in a few minutes I'll show you a wonderful sight. Now I had seen just about enough for one excursion, but what could I do? He put me to work, dishing out gobs of sand as fast as I could. We couldn't dump it all over at once, for fear of hitting some unsuspecting citizen's head. The people and the vehicles down on the street looked like flies. The sun was shining down there, but I could see these little specks starting to hurry along. Evidently they could see our storm descending upon them, and they were seeking shelter. We were starting upward at a pretty good gait. It was getting terribly dark, and during the flashes of lightning that were coming thick and furious, I got a peek of my companion's face. Disgusting! He was calmly chewing his gum and whistling odd snatches from my old Kentucky home. Home! That word nearly made me burst into tears. I knew that we were almost directly over my own hotel room home, but I wasn't even fussy anybody's home would have done if I could have but reached one. Then came a terrible crash. I shut my eyes, fearing the worst. Then began a terrible bombardment. Something was hitting me from all directions. I opened my eyes and saw it was huge drops of water. Evidently the cloud we were in had burst. I didn't ask questions now, but just kept on throwing the old sand overboard, which by the same token had nearly been exhausted. I could see but little. I felt the rain battering against us, and between peals of thunder heard my companion shout, Look up! which I promptly did. The darkness began to fade, and I saw we were climbing up into a very bright spot. I wouldn't have been surprised to find that we were going to land on the sun or moon. In fact, nothing could surprise me after this. So I thought, We're up about forty-five hundred feet now. The other one shouted, If the ballast holds out, we can clear this mess. Things were brightening up every moment, and after we had thrown over the last of our sand, we were sailing along in a clear bright sky with the terrible hot sun shining upon us. We were going through all the stages of a Turkish bath. The instruments told us we were up five thousand feet. The rain, lightning, and thunder were still raging beneath us. "'Well, we might as well take it easy,' my companion said, until the storm breaks beneath us. Then I will begin to figure how we can get down. Well, it was such a wonderful sight watching the old storm carry on between us and the earth, 
that I got all over being afraid for the moment and began to think more or less normally. I had a big roll of advertising proof sheets in my overcoat pocket that had been handed to me that morning, so I took them in hand and began to look them over. They were different sketches of newspaper publicity which I was going to receive. Some covered an entire newspaper sheet with a life-size face photograph of myself, with huge headlines proclaiming my talents and daring to the unsuspecting public. Now up until that time no one in the picture business had received such expensive advertisements. Of course, the Hearst newspapers were interested in The Perils of Pauline, and they gave me newspaper space that couldn't be bought for any amount of money. I remember one ad read, Watch this rising young star, meaning me, and see how quickly she ascends to the very top. What a bromide that line was to me at the moment. I was ascending like a skyrocket. But to what? I thought of all the publicity they were going to give me, and I felt sure that after all my years of struggling, fame was awaiting me back on earth. Here I was, up in the air, for nearly two hours, and maybe when I did come down I would be a corpse, and only a short item in the birth and death column would tell of my heroic end. Gosh, these thoughts certainly messed up my peace and quiet. Then all of a sudden I began to feel like I was a merry-go-round, and I began to get awfully dizzy. I looked at my arrow partner, and his face was growing whiter by the second. Oh, my God, I'm getting sick, he gasped. The storm has lifted, and I want to get back to earth before I lose my lunch and my sweet disposition. He was looking pretty rocky, but he was certainly gaining my respect through showing the signs of ordinary human weakness. I was getting awfully sick, too, but I felt that at least I was finding a friendly soul in my suffering. It seems that the balloon had gotten into a pocket of wind which made it keep spinning around in circles. This, by the way, has cured me of ever wanting to ride on a merry-go-round again. I thought of the city down below that only a few years ago I had come to conquer. I leaned far over the edge of the basket to give one farewell look at old Broadway, but I could see nothing but blue space. I turned back to my new-found friend and announced the fact that we must be nowhere, because I couldn't see nothing. The balloon was steadying itself up again, so he summoned up enough strength and courage to take up his glasses and take a chance looking downward. "'Oh, good news!' he exclaimed. "'We are going out to sea. I can just catch the outline of the Statue of Liberty, which, by the way, we are leaving behind us, so,' he continued, "'we had better land right now.' "'In the water?' says I. "'Certainly,' says he. "'Now when we start down we might go pretty fast, "'but stick to the ship and don't jump until I do.' "'Yes, and when we do land in the water, "'what becomes of us from there on?' I questioned. "'Oh, the only thing to do is to stay clear of the gas bag "'until she empties, "'and we'll only have to swim about for a little while "'until there'll be a dozen boats to our rescue.' "'That swimming around didn't sound so good.' Anyway, he gave me a big roll of tissue paper, of which he instructed me to tear off strips and throw them overboard. We would watch these strips of tissue as they drifted down through the air and see which way the wind was blowing, due south, north, east, or west, while only a few feet below the wind might be coming from another direction. I tore off yards of paper, and my friend let a little gas out of the balloon at a time. 
we were sinking quite rapidly toward our watery landing say says i in a moment of thought i'm to jump into the water when you do that's fair enough but do you realize how cold that water is going to be it's till the month of march you know i saw him shiver and again he arose in my esteem i was getting to like this fellow gosh i wish i had a drink he tearfully sighed we were down to about twenty-five hundred feet now so i took off my coat and shoes to get ready for the plunge then fate stepped in and threw us into a strong freezing north wind that carried us up over battery place that was awful and the downtown buildings started to loom up again we didn't dare take a chance of dropping any lower and from now on we could only hope to wait until we were carried somewhere into open country we crossed over the downtown district and then swung up the north river then across blackwell's island then back again south over toward Brooklyn for a while. More gas escaping from the balloon all the time. We had been up now over three hours, and by this time we were flying only about 1,800 feet up. Then we took another turn north, and we saw a large open space before us. Ah, this is our chance, said my companion. Take the glasses and see what it is. I took a peek and saw that the ground was dotted with little blocks of marble. Oh, gentle Kaiser, it was a cemetery. Well, I said, I guess it's the graveyard for us, and anyway it may be better so, because most likely that's going to be our home from now on. But that was not to be. We only passed over one corner of the cemetery, so landing there was out. We drifted on for about half an hour, and were getting a little lower down all the time. Then a little open country was sighted in the distance with the Long Island Sound behind it. If we could only make that, and it seemed that we could. I could distinguish men, women, cars, wagons, dogs, and children following us on a run below. Evidently they could see our balloon hovering above them and wanted to be on the spot when we landed. Good luck was with us for sure. We reached an open space, and my friend pulled the ripping cord. There was a terrible smell of gas, and it seemed that the ground was coming up to meet us. I could see thousands of people waiting below, with upstretched arms, and it seemed as though they must be welcoming me back to the earth, and fame. Be that as it may. Note. If in this story I have offended anyone whose name I have used, I am sincerely sorry, because I have not meant to do so. It may seem that I have dealt not too kindly with my parents during the early period of my life. I can but say I have written of things just as they have impressed me. The treatment they gave to me was stern indeed, but I now realize that I was a headstrong, stubborn child, and evidently the methods they employed must have been the right ones, for I have turned out a financial success at least. Everybody who knows my father and stepmother likes them so at heart they must be good, and I'm glad that when the Almighty dealt out parents that I drew the ones I did. To you, kind readers, I ask only that you will please look upon me as just a regular human being, and we who have made our money here in America, whoever we may be, let us stick up for her, fight for her, and respect and honor every being who has given his life to make us the independent people that we are. Pearl White
End of Part 13 End of Just Me by Pearl White Recording by Pamela Krantz June 2012